1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always and of course I'm joined by Simon O'Regan and Tom Nightingale as well. And we're going to go over all things Aston Villa and their three 0 loss to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. Uh, we're recording this on the Sunday, so if you hear any reference to that, you'll hear this on the Monday, just to make sense of timing. Um, and we'll get a little bit more into our uh, new association partnership with Acorns in a little bit. Um, I'll give you guys some more info about that shortly. But let's uh, let's just dive into things here because weirdly, this is probably the most positive I felt about a three 0 loss in my recent memory or maybe existence as a Villa fan. But Let's go to Simon first. Simon, how's it going?
2: Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, I'm, I'm a bit like you, really, actually. It's weirdly, I think there's quite a lot of positives that can be taken from uh, that game yesterday. So, um, yeah, f- for a 3-0 defeat, I'm not feeling too bad. and I'd, I've been seen see, away at Chelsea when we've lost 7-1 before, so I feel a lot better this time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think anyone would be, be to be fair. Um, as long as it wasn't the 8-0, maybe that would be the, the cap, the all-time worst feeling, traveling all that way. But, Tom,
3: how's it going for you? Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Like, I think that was it's fair to say that was our best performance of the season. Um, I thought we were really I, – genuinely, I thought we were really good, um, particularly for the first half and then even periods of the second half. Um And so it's one of those. I sort of can't really believe that we lost that game 3 0. And like the the only really thing that I'm upset about is um, the manner in which we conceded a couple of the goals. And just the fact that if you look at that scoreline, 3 0, Chelsea, you assume it's, you're probably going to assume it's been a run of the mill 3 0 defeat. We were outclassed, like had no possession, didn't really offer anything going forward. But it's just nothing could be further from the truth, I think, really. Um, So it is really a, one of those times where you just have to roll with the punches, I think, and um, look ahead to Everton next week. Yeah. And for uh, longtime
1: long time listeners of the whole cast, or if you just joined us uh, at the start of this season, well, thank you for listening. Of course. Um, the one thing I've noticed is of course, the first game of the season, Watford, not many people were happy more. So maybe about the second half in the short comeback. Uh, a lot of things I heard about the Newcastle game, everyone's saying best performance of the season. Obviously the first one is a loss. Brentford, best performance of the season. 3-0 loss to Chelsea, best performance of the season. So, you know what? Um, Long may that continue. Hopefully, we see some more goals and some more... uh three points in that regard but it, it's all positive things and we might as well dive right into it guys of course um two goals from R- Romelo Lukaku of course Kovacic getting the other uh Villa playing a five-three-two, which morphed into kind of a 3-5-2 an attack and I guess we can start with the formation more than anything and Simon I'll spin this right back to you and put you in the hot seat What'd you think about the formation? Because I think they said the last time we played this formation, we lost six one to uh, to not United, uh, Man City. Um, of course, different squad, different quality of squad. But uh, what'd you think of the formation initially?
0: Um,
2: I quite liked it. To be honest, I think I think everyone kind of wants to see Ings and Watkins together to see how how that will work and. And the only way you can really do that, especially if you're playing a team like Chelsea, is probably to go with that sort of 5 3 2, 3 5 2, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, someone like Twan Zabir, obviously, he, uh, I, I think he was at fault for the first goal. But a player like you, he, he's a very good player. And I don't think he's going to want to sit on the bench. So if you can get him, Conza, and Mings, if, they, if, if that's something that, that can be worked at, you know, over the next few weeks. I think he could be an advantage for us having three good, solid centre-backs. And then I think also in the midfield, um, I thought that it really helped Jacob Ramsey. I mean, I've been impressed with him this season. Anyway, I, I think he's, he's probably been the brightest spark so far for us. And yesterday, I, th- I think in a formation like that, when you've um, you, know, you you've know got a sort of a solid base behind the midfields and then you've got McGinn, who's who looks fitter now than he did probably for most of last season. So you've got an all-energy begin. Douglas Louise, I think is a very, you know, I've always been a fan of his. And I think just that solidity allows Ramsey to go and express himself going forward. And I thought, I thought he was excellent and sort of, you know, like Tom was saying, I thought Biddle were excellent, especially in that first half. And um so I, I, I quite like that formation. I think it's it's something that can definitely be worked on. It's It's a formation that I don't know how someone like Bailey or Trioro necessarily fits into that formation, but it's for the first time in a long time, we've now got options that we can play, depending on who we're playing against. You can set up in different ways. And when was I can't ever remember the time that Villa could have like a 30 million pound player on the bench and it's not a major problem like with the way we've lined up. So I think it's just another positive.
3: I mean, I'm inclined to agree with Simon, really. I think I think yesterday it worked. It sounds odd after a 3-0 defeat, but I think that, that formation worked pretty well. Um, you know, Chelsea was still finding some space behind the full-backs, obviously, because with Cash and Target pushing up, um, there is some space there to be exploited. But, you know, like Chelsea are going to find space behind your full-backs, whether you play four at the back or whether you play five at the back. Um, I agree completely. I think the biggest, the biggest bonuses... For me, yes, they the biggest plus points other than having Watkins back to lead the line, which I mean, I'll get into that. But I mean, I've said before, I think Watkins is the most important player to the way that we play. Um, so having him back was fantastic. But aside from that, the biggest positive for me was that I, I really like that midfield three. I think McGinn, Louise, Ramsey, there is just an excellent balance in that midfield, I think. Um, McGinn, I thought, was just excellent. Um, I think he's he and he and Ramsey probably when playing have probably been my picks for our most impressive performers this season. And I really think that having them in a midfield three, you know, went to Stam- like went to Stamford Bridge um with those three in midfield, and we were so good in the first half that too tall, to be fair to him, good management had to hook Saul at half time because we were finding so much space in the midfield and I thought we were actually dominating the game in midfield, Um, which is really no, you know, it's no mean feat at all, is it at at Chelsea? Um, So I think the formation worked pretty well. Simon touched upon it. I think a first off on the positive side, it's great that we have these options now, like there's no more like, you know, for three years, plan A was pass to Grealish, see what happens. Like it's going to take a lot of time to work away from that as your default Game plan and find your new way of playing, but it showed that playing five at the back can definitely be an option for us. The the tricky thing really is, you know, how do you, if you're going to play five at the back, how on earth do you fit Wendy and Bailey into the team? Because you just can't, you can't really, if you're playing five at the back, you can't play with wingers, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and also, it, I think a lot rides on whether Smith and the coaching staff are absolutely intent on playing Watkins and Ings together every game, which I would understand if they are, because obviously Ings has come in for like 30 million or whatever it was, and he's a quality striker. Um, Watkins is the most important player to the way that we play, but does that mean that by default they start every game? Because then if you're starting with them absolutely every game, then it, it is rather restrictive into what in what you can do in midfield, especially if you want to retain a midfield three. Because um, then, how do you, how do you, uh, you know accommodate wingers into that as well? I, so I, I think there's quite a lot of work to be done. I think over the next weeks and months, months realistically um, of working out. You know, maybe we'll have three different game plans. We'll have a five at the back game plan with three in midfield. We'll have a one up front game plan. We'll have a very wing heavy game plan. You know, and it's it's going to be working through all these options, which again, it's great to have. But as great as it is to have it, it does mean that there's going to be a lot of teething problems, I think. Um, But I mean, overall, like just for yesterday's game, I thought the formation worked pretty well. Um, I thought we lost our shape quite a lot when we made subs. Like Bailey came on, a few tricks and turns, does look a very positive player. But therein lies the problem, I think, is that we brought him on and I thought... um, sort of relinquishing the midfield three like when Ramsey went off um I know we then brought a Camber on but I think sort of losing the midfield three meant that we lost a bit of control really um but I mean I saw enough in the first half certainly to feel extremely positive going forward like I think if we played if we had that first half against Everton next week I think we'd be going into halftime in the lead um and obviously it's difficult to transpose from game to game like that but there's certainly enough to be positive about. I don't really understand. I would hope that not many Villa fans watched that game yesterday and came away feeling angry or negative. I'm sure they did. But for me, I, I don't really get that because I thought I just, I just thought we're, it was our best performance of the season. Lots to be positive about, um, but still, I, I guess, a lot of creases to iron out moving forward.
1: Well, guys, um, I think Simon, or not Simon, Tom just summed up the whole podcast. So thanks for listening. Uh, no, we only joke. Um, (laughs) yes, Tom, (laughs) you did take a long time, but it's okay. It was a lot of good stuff to be said, and I'm sure people enjoyed it. Um, nonetheless, um, getting aside from the humor part, a a very good game. And I think you're going to see this formation kind of rotate in and out more. So probably when you're playing your Chelsea's or United, it's like, I could definitely see this formation against United. Will it work? Who the hell knows? And that's probably the one thing, but nonetheless, like Simon said, and Tom um, also touched on, we have more options. And I think that's the thing. And you bring on the likes of Bailey and Traore, and it kind of seemed like it switched to more of like a 4-2-4. And at that point, you're just pushing to get something out of the game. And you know what? You get to the third goal. And I mean, it's kind of you have to push for it or it's lights out anyways. There's really no kind of, um, I guess, damage to trying a little bit more to get something out of it. And the one thing I will say, maybe we can talk about right now is probably the biggest positive yesterday was Jacob Ramsey. I mean, he's went from a young man that looks like he probably needs a couple seasons to someone that to be honest, yesterday looked fit and ready to start week in week out for this side. So Tom, I'll come right back to you first. What did you make of his performance in particular? Yeah. I mean,
3: I think he's grown into his role so well. I, um, Like Last season, back end of last season, middle of last season, certainly, I was thinking, you know, Ramsey, he looks like a really good squad player and somebody that... But honestly, I was in in the camp, to be honest, that I wouldn't have been hugely surprised based on last season to have seen him go out on loan to a championship club and become a key figure at a championship club and have that season. Um, I had that feeling at the end of last season, the start of the summer, and I'm happy to admit that... I think that was way off the, like my radar was way off on that one because actually I think that there's a strong argument to say that Ramsey has been, has looked our most accomplished player so far this season. I I, I just can't really believe how much of a natural he seems to be. Like there's still stuff to work on for his game. Like I think in, the, in yesterday, I think it was Ramsey, Kovacic skipped away from a couple of players before playing that excellent pass to Lukaku for their opening goal. And he went past Ramsey quite, sort of breezed past him pretty easily to play that pass. And that, that, that does happen a little bit on Ramsey's defensive side, but how old is he? 20. I think um, there are very, very, very few players in world football, if any, who are completely well-rounded at the age of 20. I think with Ramsey, like his pressing is excellent. He looks extremely comfortable on the ball. His timing of pass is pretty good. Sometimes his decision-making is slightly off, but again, it comes with experience, but he's just a player that, uh, you know, um, I know it is. I know he's a couple of years and a season or two or whatever ahead of uh, Carney Chopra but those are probably the two players that I am most excited to see develop for Villa this season. I think there's a very, very high ceiling with Ramsey. Well,
1: and that's the other thing too. Like. I think you tweeted it out, Tom, is you basically just saved yourself like 30 million pounds or whatever you say. I'm surprised I remembered that as well as I did, to be honest, um, given the fact that I had a few beverages last night. Um, But anyways, (laughs) um, regardless of that, like, I mean, it's those things of developing and you're saving so much money and you know what, if they leave, you wish them all the best. Um, Hopefully they leave under good circumstances in a long time from now. But uh, or they just stay forever and do very well. But regardless, it's value for money. And you kind of need that to be more self-sustainable. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing a little bit more. And we see kind of the I see a lot of people kind of preaching patience. And it's definitely more of the majority than it would have been last season. And I think that's probably the nicest thing. And Simon, I'll spin you a different question. We'll look at Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins now. And I mean, To be honest, in my opinion, I thought we could have been two or three one up at the end of the first half, to be honest. And I probably screamed like a little girl when I thought Ollie beat Mendy and he was just going to tap it into the back of the net. I'm not going to ask you how long because no one knows. But I mean, it's one of those kind of duos we have to look at and say the the proof's in the pudding. They're going to score a batch of goals this season. It's just a patient kind of a, a, a question of when and a little bit of patience, isn't it?
2: Definitely. I mean, you're right, that that first half, we should have we should have gone it two or three ahead, I think. you know we we created so many chances. I I think I saw um an interview with McGinn on the like Villa Twitter thing and he he said that they they worked on trying to create chances in open play because it's just something that we have done so far this season. And when you've got two people up front who you know their goal scorers, Watkins and, Ings, and the you know the, the goals will come if we cre- keep creating those types of chances. I mean, you've got to remember, you know, we're playing away at Chelsea, and for me, they're probably going to win the league. So it's it's a, it's a tough game to sort of judge their their capabilities against Chelsea. But if, if you're playing, we're playing like that and creating those sorts of chances against the majority of teams in this league, then there's no doubt that the goals will come. and the thing is, as well, Watkins, I don't think he's ever played up front like in a front two. You know, with Brentford, it was always, it was like a front three. And at Villa last season, it was like a front three with him down the middle on his own. So that's something that he might take a bit of adapting to. But you could see there were, you know, there was a couple of occasions, I think, quite early in the first half where Ings just slightly overhit the pass through to Watkins, which, you know, that's, that's the type of stuff that we've, Working on the training pitch and game time together, that little link up will come. So I'm, 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 I'm quite excited to see how them two will get on this season.
3: I think, I'd, and that I was going to bring that up as well. That pass, like with Ings trying to play Watkins in, I think it's the kind of thing that you give them five, ten more games playing together up front, and that pass comes off, and Watkins is cleaning through on goal. Like it, it is. I think Watkins. The only issue I had with Watkins yesterday was rustiness and like, you can't do very much about that. Can you until he plays his way back in? Um, it's the interesting thing is like, you know, we were talking about formations, like in a situation where Villa are playing one up top, like if that does happen and we want to play with wingers, but we also maybe want to retain a midfield three and we want to play with one up top. For me, that one up top has to be Watkins, not Ings. But also on the flip side, I, I, Kind of got the feeling yesterday, especially with Watkins being rusty, that had Ings had one of the chances that fell to Watkins. I think he probably he may well have scored. So it's that really difficult question of Watkins for me offers more than Ings does as an all round player, and that's why I say I'd want him as my, like my lone attacker if you're going to be playing one up top in this, in, up in the middle. Um, but like you cannot deny the fact that Ings is like Ings is a goal scorer. And so the the question is, you know, having spent like 30 million on Ings, is there a realistic scenario? Do you think where Smith and our coaching staff choose to start with Ings on the bench? Or do you think he is somebody who has been earmarked to start 30, 35 games a season? Because these are the kind of questions that are going to come up um, over the course of the season. I thought they worked pretty well yesterday, especially considering, like uh, you you said, Simon, they're all at Chelsea, not many teams... I thought I thought we dominated Chelsea more than any team I have seen, apart from remember that bizarre game last season where West Brom sort of just took Chelsea apart for nobody could really make head or tail of how that happened. Um, but that's the only game I could remember seeing Chelsea play in the last say twelve months or whatever, where the opposition has had more dominance and more control on the ball than we did, um, and I think a lot of that was having. Watkins back to lead the line like he just brings so much um so there's a lot to be, you know there's just so much to be positive about you know if, if we'd have if we'd have had Watkins and Ings together from the start of this season we would have scored more goals and we would have more, po- more points than we do now like I truly believe that um and it's kind of thing that just like the only good things are going to come from them training together more and linking up together more on the pitch uh, I think it's something to be very excited about it's just there are a couple of questions about the practicality of it. I think
1: yeah. And it's, it's one of those things too. And I think, well, it's going to pay off when it's uh, like the holiday season and you have games like every few days. Like, I, th- I feel like that's going to be the most key thing But rotation. I mean, nothing against Keenan Davis, but it just, it really feels different from when you're bringing on Danny Ings as your backup or Ollie Watkins off the bench com- compared to Keenan Davis um, or really anybody else of recent memory, to be honest. Um, hope ali sima has doing very well wherever he is now but anyways um it, it's a tricky one i mean it, it's a shame too because you think if walkins was fit at the start of the season that pass is clicking in my opinion if you had a if everyone had a full preseason i think the league would probably look a lot different if every team had a normal preseason to be honest um but it is what it is and i was saying this to uh, i think seb midweek in one of our random little chats and i kind of just have this feeling we're going to be kind of slowly building up and we're going to be a second half team this season. But I think once we click in the second half, it's going to be ridiculous. And I don't want to put too much too much hype or expectation on it. But personally, when you look at Ings and Watkins in particular, and a few more games, I think that's going to click. And I just feel like the closer we probably get to November maybe even December I just honestly think if we can get all guns firing it's going to be a scary opposition and there'll still be some losses in there of course I'm not saying we're going to go undefeated for the rest of the season at that point but I think once we get a little bit more healthy I I just think I mean then it's up to Dean Smith really to pick the best team out there and that's going to be probably in my opinion a lot of it's going to fall on him of what's being picked from there on I mean you're given and this isn't again I'm not saying This is a Dean Smith out or a debate of if we need a higher caliber band or anything like that. But at this point, it's going to fall on him when everyone's healthy in terms of performances, formations, tactical outlet, all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting. And I think we're going to have a really good second half of the season. I mean, to be honest, we look at and we'll probably talk at near the end of the podcast, but quickly. You look at Everton, as we said before, probably the game where everyone thinks we are we need to win and then a lot of, what, United and Spurs. Well, I think we get something out of Spurs, to be honest now. Um, but you look at a few of those games and you might write them off, even Chelsea in the Cup, but to be honest, I think we're going to cause even more upsets than we did last season. If you consider those upsets, depending on kind of uh, where you think Bill are at, but Simon, I'll come to you and I'll spin you yet another question. And we've kind of been hinting along and I basically just went on about it for, I don't know how long I, when we, and we've been talking about this probably since preseason and we look at how long it could take a side to gel and, of course, you'd imagine probably the next international break, we probably won't be letting both Emmys go. I don't, I can't see us really letting anyone go after this gong show of a just situation that's been going on. Um, so I guess in your mind, how long do you think we could get this team to really gel as one? Like, do you agree with what I said, or do you think it could happen a little bit sooner?
2: Um, yeah, I think, you, I think you'll be looking at sort of mid to late October, I think. It, just because, I think you know, I think we've kind of said it before in the last few weeks, just there's so many things that, that have led to a disjointed start to this season with sort of the injuries, um, backroom staff leaving in the summer, like pre-season games being cancelled last minute, it's just, and the number of new players and, and having to adapt to a new way of playing from what we've been doing for the last few years. Just all these things... You know, if if you've got just one of those issues, then that's you know maybe not too much of a problem. But it just seems to have been you know, one thing after another, which has sort of disrupted us. Um. So, but uh, you know, we as we've kind of said after each game, you know, oh, this has been obviously you know the Watford one was was terrible, but then you know Newcastle, oh, this was really good. Brentford, that was a lot better. Now yesterday, that was even better. But that's that's just because. You know the the team are getting used to playing with each other. They're getting fitter. They're 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 adapting to all the sort of new signings and that. So I don't I I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be long too long before it does clip. Because I mean, yesterday with just a bit more composure in front of goal and a bit more composure at the back as well at the start of the second half, we could have more than easily come away with at least a point yesterday. Like if if we'd have. We'd have won that game two, one, three, one. I don't think I don't think it would have been unfair with with the way we played. So there's no reason why as you know the weeks go on, they get the players play with each other more. I don't see any reason why we, we can't beat Everton at home next weekend. We can't go to Tottenham and get something. Um even going to Old Trafford, I know we've that's probably the one game I think as Villa fans you just need to write off because I think Villa beating Man U in the Premier League is one of like, the signs of the apocalypse. It just it never happens. So that, that's probably one you're going to have to just write off. But it, like, all joking aside, that's, that's a game that we can go, go and get results that easily because they've you know, every team's got weaknesses in the Premier League. And as, as we you know, the players have to get more confidence and a bit of faith and go for it. We've got a good team. We've got a really, really good team there. So, yeah, I think it could click, click quite quickly. And i do with you that when it does click, I, I think we're really going to get going.
3: It's frustrating, isn't it? Because, like, I'm thinking about any Brendia. I remember we were saying on the pod that, um, you know, first game at Watford, he looked like he was quite stifled and he had he was being double marked quite a lot. Um Newcastle a bit better obviously they were a, a lower quality you know they were a pretty poor quality opposition and we won it was a relative, relatively routine win um but then Brentford i remember we were saying after that game like Brendia really seemed to be growing into it growing into his role like demanding the ball being the creative sort of fulcrum of the uh midfield and and attack behind the striker um there was lots to be positive about and then you get this whole debacle with him sort of going off for argentina and it cuts all momentum. Right. And then to have him missing was really annoying. And so that's the kind of thing that like, if we can get to a position where we are able to build up momentum without an injury, interrupting it, or without a, you know, a, a farcical international situation, interrupting it or whatever it might be. Like we just need to have a bit of a, if we can get to a point where we have a bit of a smoother path and we can build this momentum, we can have, obviously you never really have everybody available in the Premier League. There's always one or two, but if we can have, you know, Buendia available, Bailey growing into it, work out, you know, how to fit in this abundance of talent that we have now really compared to where we were, particularly a couple of years ago. Um, then I agree. I think that I would hope that by sort of like mid to late October, we're getting there. I do, uh, I, I do have to say, I think it might take a little longer. Um, but, you know, I'm always going on about, I'm always preaching patience and I still, it's just, it's it's the buzzword of the season, but I think it's going to carry on being that way, to be honest, because like, I've never known a preseason like this in terms of disruption. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots to be up. There's lots to be positive about. And I also still think there's a little bit of credence to the theory that Villa do suit playing bigger teams a bit more sometimes these days. I don't think it ever really used to be that way. Like a few years ago when we were like, objectively poor <laughs> whereas these days i think what we struggle with a lot of the time is the onus being on us to break down an opposition with lots of possession and to work through find the gaps and that sort of stuff like we do seem to st- still struggle a little bit with that whereas i think playing we showed it yesterday against chelsea like if you're playing against a team where you and you know they're going to have a lot of the ball but like simon said every team is fallible every team has its weaknesses um and i i think coming up everton United, I'm not confident about, and it's purely because I don't want to talk too much about him. But like, because the Ronaldo effect, he's going to score, we're going to lose. But like Simon says, like you, you, if you have that down in the calendar as a loss from from the get go, then you, it can't hurt you, can it? Um, but Everton and Spurs, I see no reason we can't be getting results there. Um, I'm not going to necessarily go in expecting to get results because I think there lies only pain. But we we definitely have it in us to get good results there, and I just think. As long as we can have positives from week to week, pull out some points here and there. And most importantly, like get everybody, get everybody fit, keep everybody fit and just get some continuity running through the side and running through training. Then, you know, we're going to be absolutely fine. It's just going to take a little while to come together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, I know you mentioned in the little chat we have going here, um, you wanted to bring up some Zebe stuff. So
3: if you still want to do so, I'll put you under the hot seat and take it away. I just think, I, you know, I think we should talk about, I think we should at least mention the second goal. <laughs> um, the problem is, like, with that, this is going to be a bit of a Mings and a Tuanzebe chat, but the, you knew as soon as that happened, right, that, like, on social media, like, Mings is going to be getting pelters for the error. And, okay, like, there's no dressing it up. It is. It's an error. But I think one of the... It's interesting because we, uh, we were talking about the five at the back earlier, and I think, in theory, it can work quite well. And I agree that Tuanzebi coming back... I think he's going to have been coming back expecting a certain amount of game time and it ties into the stuff with like Ings and everything as well. Like we have a lot of good players now and we have, we are finally getting ourselves into the position. I think that you see from certainly from top six, top eight teams where there's a bunch of players sat on the bench every week who are going to be thinking that they deserve to be in the starting lineup. Like you want that. As your position, obviously, you want competition. You want players being hungry and not only being hungry to start, but feeling like they deserve it. Um, I just think it's going to be difficult to manage in a lot of ways. And I'm using Tuanzebe as an example because I thought yesterday, I think Tuanzebe is a good player. I thought he looked very rusty yesterday. I think I don't necessarily blame him for the first goal, um, but you know, it's the thing of like what I will say generally is I think he looked like a player defending Lukaku. He looked like he was defending Lukaku as a player who pretty much knew that he couldn't defend Lukaku. Um, He looked pretty scared of him all game, which I mean, it's fair enough, right? Lukaku is I think one of the top strikers in Europe. Um, But, you know, I wonder if there's some credence to the fact that I know they played together at Man United. I think Lukaku mentioned it after the game, actually. I I haven't seen the actual interview, but I saw reported speech from it on social media and whatever and I think Lukaku said that you know he knew that um, Tuonzebi likes to commit to challenges and that's and so that's why he you know I, I was certainly expecting for the first goal when it comes across Lukaku I thought he was going to hit it first time left-footed I'm sure that Tuonzebi thought he was going to hit it first time left-footed as well um, and so you can talk about whether he got beaten too easily there I also thought that for the second goal Ming's getting obviously it's a poor pass from Ming's but I don't honestly think Tuanzerebe should be given the ball to Mings in that situation. Like I didn't, I, I, I didn't really understand, especially because Steer. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Steer, Steer left footed, or am making that up? Um, yeah. So is, I mean, uh... Tuanzerebe had he did a decent job of holding Lukaku off for the second goal, but you could see, I think, from Tuanzebe the panic that Lukaku was creating in him, and a cool ahead, I think plays the ball back to Steer because you've got the angle from where Tuanzebi was to play the ball back to Steer onto Steer's left foot then there's no pressure on Steer we whack it upfield it's fine in a million years I don't think you should be playing as Tuanzebi you should be playing a square ball across to Mings in that situation and then you can talk about Mings maybe should have dealt with it better but Kovacic was on him like immediately Um, and so it's those things I think that it's going to be an issue of chopping and changing formation and you know, five five at the back one week, four at the back another week, and also speaks to the disrupted preseason. Like it's those kind of things. We were talking about the pass from Ings to Watkins earlier. That wavelength, the being on the same wavelength like that is, is missing for us at the moment. Watkins and Ings will develop it. Hopefully the back, Konza and Ings, I think, have it pretty well. But then if you're going to be incorporating to Anzebi you need to be sure that all three of your centre-backs are on the same wavelength. Um, and those are the issues they're good problems to have in terms of the options of personnel and the options of formation. But if we're not careful, we're going to keep getting stung by those sort of situations. And, you know, um, the team not having had time to gel in that way. And obviously the only real solution is patience and to keep playing and to keep trying this out. So there's going to be a few more sore points like that, I think to come in this season. Yeah. I
1: think I'm going to have to put something in the title for this. Referencing patience because I think if someone was playing a drinking game during this episode, it's probably they're probably already pretty sloshed anyway. So you're welcome. Drink responsibly, kids. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Um, the one thing, as you kept mentioning, Twins Ebb and United, and of course, we're skipping ahead a few games and thinking, oh crap, if we're going to play five in the back, um, I love Courtney Hawes, but him against Ronaldo. Absolutely terrifies me. Um, So that's something that we, uh, I don't want to bring up too much because I'm now already terrified about it. But uh, nonetheless, let's get over to the three word reviews on twitter so of course after every game um i go on twitter at 7500 to hold ask you guys for your three word reviews or summaries and you basically it's just your thoughts on the game um summed up creatively so we got a bunch here so i'll just read out a few uh lee says uh, not clinical enough uh gregory says not enough cards uh john C. Y. sub ramsey uh dante says mistakes cost us Uh, Michael Rudd unlucky crap ref Um, Mitch actually maybe we can get into the refereeing decision here I don't want to be one of those typical fans that gets into that but it was pretty appalling Um, so maybe we'll talk about that next Um, let's go to uh, Kaiser saying mistakes not clinical Um, odd pigeon out saying played well but and we'll finish with um let's see here not that one because that's cussing at a referee so let's skip that one um let's go to uh dave sterling unlucky 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 and maybe that probably sums it up more than anything so you know what guys we'll throw in one more topic uh, topic before we get to uh your man of the match nominations for this one and that's uh i don't like just to, to throw kind of abuse at one particular referee but i mean uh Mr. Stewart Atwell um, had himself quite the interesting game yesterday. carding uh, players when they did nothing and not carding players when they did something. Um, I guess you could say. And there was also some three-word reviews said something about referencing how the big six basically get favoured and that really felt like it yesterday. I don't want to be one of those fans, but it just, yesterday really summed it up. And Simon, if, if you have any thoughts on it, take it away.
2: Um, I think you, you got it spot on there. It's, it's just one of those that the, there are certain teams in this league that just seem to get away with with, with fouls that other teams don't. So I mean, it's it's not one of those that you know we, we're not we're not saying that the referee costs us a game, that's you know, there's it's nothing like that. But you're allowed you're allowed to criticise referees' performances with, without using that excuse of they cost us a game, and and like. You know, when we've won games and the referee's been bad, like for I thought, for example, the Newcastle game, I thought the referee was shocking in that for both teams. So, but but we won, so you just get on with it. But so it's not. But this isn't me like Sally grapes. You you know, you try to use that as an excuse. But I mean, some of the some of the yellow cards that we picked up yesterday compared to what Chelsea would get. I mean, Thiago Silva got away with with some ridiculous challenges and I was watching the game in the pub with a few mates and one of my mates he as part of his um bet builder that he'd done I think he adds both teams to get two yellow cards and then there's about like five minutes to go or something and he's going I need Chelsea to get another and I was saying no they've got more than one yellow and I was was convinced that's that they had received more than one yellow because I remember like some really poor challenges thinking well he must have booked him, and I've just not seen him produce a card for it. But yeah, it was a, a strange performance, but it's he's, he's not a surprising one. I'm sure come a couple of weeks when we're away to U, it'll be exactly the
3: same. Yeah, I mean, I dread to think about Old Trafford, but uh, it's and it's what you said. So I like it. You, you're allowed to. You're allowed to think that the referee had a poor game without having to go all over the top like he could because there's no way like you said there's no way like the referee's performance cost us the game or anything but like it is just frustrating with the yellow cards like that we have to have midfield players for example walking on a tightrope for the majority of the game because they got a soft booking and then like because if you know if Thiago Silva, for example gets booked then you have you know, you'd be a fool to suggest that a defender or a midfielder doesn't adjust the way they play if they get a yellow card, because you have to adjust the way that you play if you get a yellow card because that margin of error is reduced or should be reduced at least. So, you know, I'm not gonna get into it, but it's just it's it's a bit frustrating. Um, but like you say, it's not like at least we're not tell you what, at least touch wood. We're not having all of this fast we were last year with goals getting ruled out for toenails being offside or whatever. I can deal with a couple of soft yellow cards if we're not uh we're not having stuff like that. So yeah, but I mean, it will it will be. I think we're going to see a fair bit more of it. That sort of conscious or unconscious big six bias, like it will be. You, you know that we're going to come away at Old Trafford with things to uh things to feel aggrieved about. That, yeah, that's
2: especially now with fans being back in the stadium. That I mean, you kind of last season, you maybe didn't have that that uh, that was such a strong element because there's no crowd in there putting the pressure on. But yeah, we've... With 76,000 people, over it is at Old Trafford's next week. Uh, I, I just, you go in oh, two, two weeks' time, so you can already see like it's going to be a Ronaldo penalty in that game, isn't there?
1: Yeah. So uh, everybody get them in your fantasy leagues. I did yesterday. Um, I'm an idiot for not captaining them. But, anyways, um, regardless, I'm having a very poor fantasy week. But the one thing I did want to say to kind of end the whole refereeing thing, um, it could be worse. It could be Crystal Palace a couple of years ago. Um, Lansbury should have scored um and then the 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 biggest i'll never forget that because i was watching that in my bedroom on the zone feed and literally since that happened in like the last second it they literally blew the whistle and cut the feed right after and it was just like you're watching i don't know a concert and they just basically like close the curtains like instantly after like you couldn't even have any reaction to it it probably is one of the biggest like wtf moments of my life Uh. but
3: Regardless. Also, also the uh, unfortunately for Henry Lansbury, I think that is what he is most famous for as a Villa <laughs> player is that is that disallowed goal. Uh,
1: I, I can't believe we still actually spent money on him to sign him, but I hope Henry's doing well at least. But regardless, um, that's Villa of the past, so hopefully that never comes back. Um, Tom, I'll shoot it right back over
3: to you. Who was your man of the match? Tom McGinn by a long way for me. Like I thought Ramsey was very good as well, but I thought McGinn yesterday was excellent. Like the tenacity is incredible we've been talking about we talked a bit about in the summer about wanting like a midfielder who can get amongst the opposition and you know be a real, real ball winner and break it up and stuff and you know like McGinn he's blown hot and cold a bit over over parts of his Villa career but I think like so far this season he's been excellent and like yesterday the just the work rate for going forward and going back um, I think he's really one of these who since uh, since Grealish has gone I think McGinn is prepared to sort of put Villa on his back at times and really step up as a as a as a leader on the on the pitch. And it's really showing through, I think. Um I thought he was excellent. So yeah, uh John McGinn with a shout out to Jacob Ramsey for me.
1: Fair enough. Simon, how about you?
2: I'm the opposite. Shout out to John McGinn, who I agree was 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 really good, but I'm I'm going Jacob Ramsey. I mean uh like Tom. Uh, sort of wax lyrical about him earlier on in the pod and I totally agree with everything he said I, I think you know Ramsey he, he looks like he's come back um, with a bit more muscle on him this season I think last season he he looked he looked like a kid playing in, in the men's first team and, and now he, he looks like he physically belongs on there and let's get it right Chelsea the European champions for me I've got they're my favourites to win the league they're a fantastic team and Ramsey ran through them like quite often he he's not afraid to get stuck in either um, for mm. like a little kid, so um you know what you know he's what nineteen twenty years old you know he's a very young man, but to get stuck in and to have the confidence to constantly drive and try and create things um i i just I've been really impressed with him yeah, how he's developed already this season, so yeah I'm going to go Jacob Ramsey. Yeah.
3: He just one more word on Ramsey is like he, apart from the odd little maybe decision that a bit more experience would mean that he picks the right pass or whatever. He like he just looks like he's been playing in our midfield at at stadiums like Stamford Bridge for years, doesn't he? Like I, he's just one of those that you look at him as such a natural and you know that there's a really quality player in there in the yeah.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Um, Yeah, Tom, sorry, you cut yourself really short there. All of a sudden, I wasn't even expecting that. Uh, But nonetheless, um, yeah, I'd probably have to go Jacob Ramsey as well. Um, I mean, uh, Simon basically summed it up the best, but um, look so comfortable out there. And I I think that's one of the things I look at most for young players is how can you kind of climatize to um, your surroundings? And it's kind of the same as uh, Chuck Lameka the other week. It's, you give them game time and they're just excelling. And I can't wait for him to score his first goal for Villa. I, I just feel like it's one of those, it's not at the levels of Keenan Davis finally scoring. Cause that was just made me feel really good. Um, but it's one of those where, you know, that once one comes more coming, maybe not gold, but be more assists. So, I think there's more definitely to come from him and long may continue. Um, But without further ado, guys, we'll get over to the Aston Villa version of Who Am I? Of course, the last two Simon or last time Simon, I should say, and Tom um, got together. Um, It was a resounding win for Mr. Tom Nightingale. Of course, it was three nil to the man redeemed himself massively um so yeah we'll uh we'll we'll get into round one remember guys a quick game is a good game as well so we'll we'll keep that in (laughs) mind Um, (laughs) um just so it makes my life in editing probably a little bit easier um but uh, anyways, let's go into uh, round one. So uh let's start with this man. Yeah, this seems like maybe a little bit of an interesting one. I was born in Macclesfield, England on January 30th, 1981, making me 40 years old.
2: I always hate these ones when when they're born in some town in England, because like at least if it's a foreign player, then you your heads can go straight to like, what players do we have from this country? But when is it being English one? Oh Christ. <laughs> um 40 years old no absolutely got nothing for you
3: yeah this has really uh, revealed to me that i'm my my geography of the uk is maybe not what i thought it was because i'm not entirely sure where is, which doesn't particularly help <laughs> um, should, we, should we should we just skip this one i think so you can move on to the next uh, okay. the next clue i think <laughs> fair enough
1: we're, we're keeping things quick that's that's what matters the most um <laughs> my youth career brigade began in 1991 um at brentford stayed there until 1993 Moved to QPR for the 94-95 season. Um, then I spent time in the youth system at Spurs from 95 to 98 uh, before making my debut with Spurs um, in 1998 until 2000. Had loans at Dulwich Hamlet and IFK Hausenholm between that time. Um, if you guys somehow get it at this point, I'll be very impressed. Okay, he, made so his, many...
3: he made his professional Spurs debut when? 2000.
1: Uh, uh, it says 98-2000 was senior career at Spurs at that senior point. Keep in mind, he had two loans in 2000. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> okay.
2: still got nothing.
1: Tom, how about you?
3: Yeah, you wanted this to be quick, eh? Uh, yeah, I did want it to be quick. Currently, no idea.
1: See, this is what I do now. I'm actually, I'm actually being smart. I search Aston Villa squad and then put an insert year, and it comes up with a lot more than just me sitting there stumping my head against a wall thinking what can I actually say Um, (laughs) let's go to the next rack of teams here I feel like this might give it away Um, from 2000-2001 so he's already in his senior career um, I spent my season at QPR making 42 appearances with 10 goals before moving to Portsmouth for the one 2 season making 37 appearances and 18 goals
2: I I think I've got it I think Peter
0: Crouch
3: Peter
1: Crouch. Yes, Peter Crouch. Ding, ding, ding. Tom, what what did you say?
3: (laughs) Oh, and I said, go ahead, Simon. (laughs)
0: That's what I said.
3: (laughs) I thought you guys literally said it at the
1: same time for a second. I'm thinking, crap, how do I decide this one? Um, I'll have to give you half a point each um, at that point. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the rest of his career... Um, spent time from 2002 to 04 at Villa with a loan at Norwich City in 03 then moved on to Port or to Southampton Sorry, from 04 to 05, Liverpool from 05 to 08, 08-09 back to Pompey, back to Spurs from 09-2011, of course at Stoke from 11 to 2019 and then finished his senior career at Burnley. Um, six appearances, no goals at Burnley of course but sure. he was like literally... I'd forgotten and he played
3: for Portsmouth before Villa yeah, I knew that he, he, played German, he went back so I'd forgotten that he played before.
1: I can't believe how much he's actually moved around. I, I like you mm. you realize it when he's doing it but then you don't actually really yeah. think about it. Um yeah, but anyways, um he has a fantastic podcast too. So um mm-hmm. If he's somehow listening, send your viewers our way too. Send, we'll send our five back to you. Uh, no, there's more than that. But anyways, um, hum- humble brag. Um, but anyways, um, let's go to round two. So one nil to Simon. Um, I almost said this guy's name because it's the first thing there. So that would have been an absolute nightmare. But um, I was born in in uh on September 5th, 1975, making me 46 years old. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry if I butchered that, but yeah, Kwaka maybe. Oh um, Jesus! Um, no, absolutely
3: sorry, nothing. Where is that? Uh, Ghana. Ghana. And what? Seven. Sorry, date of birth. He's born in seventy-five. Seventy-five. So he's forty-six. Oh, I think.
2: I think I may have it. Well no. Know. Well, hang on. Go See, on. I I've got a feeling. He, this may be someone who's born in Ghana, but didn't play for them. Is it George Boateng?
1: It is George Boateng. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. <it> is. <laughs> I thought that i would never going to get this one. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, so his senior, it doesn't even have his uh, youth career on this one. So senior career um, began at Excelsior, uh, 94 to 95, moved to Feyenoord from 95 to 98, uh, was at Coventry City then From 98 to 99 um, I guess they would have been way higher up at that point too So fair enough um, 99 to 2002 was at Villa of course Then spent uh, 6 seasons at Middlesbrough Moved to Hull City from 08 to 2010 Moved to Skoda Shanty I think it's called uh, From 10 to 11 11 to 12 at Forest And then finished his, his career 2012-2013 uh, at T-Team Making 15 appearances And 2 goals um, I don't know what T tea team is, but uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah fair so, play to
3: Simon, for uh, you said you wanted this to be quick, and Simon's taken that to heart. And it, yeah. Am he, I uh, might pretend that my stretches. mic's not working. Yeah. Si-
1: Simon <laughs> Simon should drink the night before we come on more often, apparently. He's coming. He's or wake up later, maybe you come in good form in that. Um, so, of course, Simon's already won, but you know what? We're still playing for a little bit of honor here. So, I feel like this one might probably be the easiest of them all, given his yeah probably the easiest um let's go for round three so i was born in Hitchin, um Hertfordshire on let's see here july 25th 1973 making me 48 hmm. Die. <laughs> <Fair enough. Nothing. laughs> okay um i had i started my youth career in 1985 lasting until 1991 with southampton Nope, okay. still nothing. No, fair <laughs> enough. Okay, um, I'll range off probably the next two or three. I feel like if I say the third, it's going to give it away. But anyways, um, let's see here. Or maybe it was the fifth. I can't even remember. I'm not looking at this in order. Um, I began my senior career in 1991 um, and stayed here until 1994 at Bulldeck Town. Uh, from 1994 to 1997, I then moved to Watford, making 59 appearances and scoring 24 goals. Oh, I think I might have this. Do you want me to give you one more round? I,
3: I, I, shall I go for a guess? Why don't you tell us who you think it is? And then,
1: well, actually, no, Tom, do you have, do you have any clue? Not
3: currently. Okay. Not really, no.
1: Well, if Simon wants to have a go, have a go. I'll, uh, I'll go Kevin Phillips. It is Kevin Phillips. <laughs> I, the next one was Sunderland from 97 to 2003 scoring 208 or sorry scoring not scoring 208 goals uh 208 appearances 113 goals which is mental mm-hmm. um let's I'd, see here I'd yeah. like
3: to think that would have given it away but
1: yeah well yeah. I, I'm assuming I'm assuming Simon would have got at that point um yeah. it was three to oh five he went back to Southampton uh was at Villa for the oh five oh six season then moved on to West Brom for two seasons then Birmingham City for three years blackpool for two um alone at crystal palace in 2013 uh permanently at palace from 13 to 14 and finished his career in 2014 with leicester city that would have been in the championship i think um yes correct um i think maybe i don't know um (laughs) 12 appearances two goals Leicester had been around in the Premier league for so long that i almost forget i think that was that must have been the season before they came up unless he was still playing in the Premier league that age but no, they beat, oh, no, think, they beat United no, in 2014, though. In the 14-15 season. That yeah, did you, uh... it was probably 13-14 season. See, it doesn't really give you the, the full range on that. It's just 2014, so it could be any point. Um, So <laughs> let's pretend like I know what I just literally said, but... Uh... <laughs> anyways tom smashes simon last time out and now simon smashes tom so i'm sure next time it'll just keep going back and forth yeah
3: it's good news for me is that next time it's a 3-0-1 for me again <laughs> yeah
1: at least um and t- until you have to go against seb and then you'll just probably smash him no offense seb. um because i'll probably have to keep everything from like 2005 onwards um so that might make it even more easier But uh, nonetheless, guys, um, before we wrap things up here, I just wanted to quickly mention and Tom just put it in our chat so I don't forget. And that's probably good because I wrote notes and I probably should actually look at them. Um, Of course, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're now teaming up with Acorns. Of course, Um, I'll have more information on that probably on next Monday's uh, podcast release in terms of what we're doing with them and all that kind of stuff. I just kind of wanted to mention it Um, very much looking forward to it. It's been something that uh, we've been working on on in the background probably for the last two or three weeks um we signed the contract so we are now exclusively with them as our charity partner so we'll be doing a bunch of exciting things with them it'll ramp up around the holiday season as well and uh yeah just looking forward to uh giving back and uh trying to help out a fantastic organization that has so much uh um kind of meaning to villa as a football club and uh, the fans and of course everyone probably thinks back to the season where acorns was on the shirt so um i'm sure you'll probably see a bunch of social media posts in the next few days with that shirt probably being promoted with any posts around that so um yeah a lot more things of that to be announced and how listeners and uh anyone else can really get involved in that kind of stuff so everyone can get involved and that's the most important thing we want to do here so that will be coming out. And of course, if you enjoyed this and you gotten this far and you enjoy Simon thrashing Tom, of course, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, wherever you get your pods and wherever they let you leave ratings. If you want to leave a nice comment too, it's always appreciate it it just makes it easier for other people and new listeners to find us as well but anyways thank you simon and thank you tom for joining me we'll wrap it up there of course if you want to find any of us on twitter i'll leave the links in the description on any podcast hosts you're currently listening on of course tweet the team at 7500 to hold but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget up the villa